1: Welcome to Up to Date. I'm Steven Steigman. Steve Kraski is on assignment in Jefferson City. A few weeks ago, theoretical physicist Stephen Hawking said that our first contact with aliens might not be so pretty. He said there's a good chance that the folks from another world might just be in search of our natural resources and not intelligent conversation. American film has a fascination with aliens, and so do our DVD gurus, Mitch Bryan and Jason Heck. Mitch Bryan is a screenwriter and professor of film at UMKC. Jason Heck is a film critic and knower of all good things. Mitch and Jason, welcome back. Take us to your
0: leader. Tatu Barada, Nikto. You know, it's uh, ask him why he does it so well sometime. Yeah. Ask him that. I uh, <laughs> Maybe you never
1: mind. So why is it that we have such a fascination with aliens and how well has the American film industry portrayed our attraction to and fear of E.T.s on the movie screen, Mitch? I suppose because aliens can do
2: anything. They have become the narrative device of most of choice for most fantasy and science fiction films. And so whether it whether you need an alien to drive a plot like be dead in the trunk as in Repo Man, and become the MacGuffin for everybody to be pursuing this, you know, this car, uh, or or whether you want to use the idea of the alien for something um, perhaps more focused, like in um, District Nine from last year, which so- sort of sought to draw parallels between apartheid and um, and alien, you know, uh, invasion or uh, uh,
1: uh, segregation. They, there, there are this great device that sort of has become this, this catch-all, and and because you know, extraterrestrials are just that. uh, Last week we spoke with a guy from SETI about ETs, and um, and he more or less said we don't know what they think they could be so beyond our imagination that we have no idea what they're like so but our creation of extraterrestrial life in film is what we imagine um how well the what are some of the best films you've seen that have just been so way out there mm-hmm. that you know beyond what we might typically consider as you know your, your typical
2: alien film well the, the thing that is interesting about a film like 2001 a space odyssey is that it draws the very clear connection between aliens and gods. And so the idea is, perhaps in, in you know, in, in another time, uh, certainly pre World War Two when the notion of, of the science fiction alien was really relegated to cheap you know, be, uh, uh, pulp novels, or before 191898, before Jules Verne began to write science fiction, there wasn't a stand-in like that. And so usually these, these things would be attributed to supernatural forces, to forces of, of gods. So now, in the wake of this whole alien thing, the aliens have become God, and they stand in. And so a movie like 2001 actually does suggest that there really isn't a god it, it in fact was an alien presence that brought life you know to earth and and
1: created the evolution of the human mind did the film 2001 really mark a, a point a change in the way that we thought about alien life i think definitely i think that that you've got a couple of of points of
2: demarcation um, the first one being world war 2 because after the second world war in the wake of, of frankly the use of rockets and the atomic bomb the future was here, and and therefore this idea of of considering the ability to go out into space or the the space invaders coming here um, dominated the 1950s movies. Whether it was whether it was radiation creating giant insects or whether it was visitors from another world, like in uh, I Married a Monster from Outer Space or or The Day the Earth Stood Still. Um, so that was a big point. Certainly, 2001 was another, and then I think the Star Wars, Close Encounters, uh, and ultimately E.T. You know, revolution of Lucas and Spielberg
1: have completely sort of replaced you know. Gods with these aliens mm. in movies, Jason Heck. I, I guess um, you know, this is a struggle that every filmmaker faces. How do you come up with an original idea? Have we have we run out of ideas
0: for alien movies? Um, well, I mean, if you look at almost any movie, you could probably say it's been done before. My my three picks today are all based on books, um, so I, I think it is it is difficult to come up with a conception of an alien that is is truly revolutionary. I mean. I, You're right. They are generally things that with which we're going to be familiar in some in some way. District nine, they're crawdads. You know, they're they're sort of there's some kind of earthly um, equivalent to to whatever we can imagine. One of my favorites, I will say, and one that's one of the more truly interesting movies is John Carpenter's 1982 remake of The Thing, because it's an alien that you don't actually ever really understand what it once was. It can imitate anything so throughout the movie it becomes a succession of different things it's a dog it's a person but you never see what the original one looked like in the in the the novel uh, it's sort of this three-eyed tentacled thing but you actually never really see it and so i think that's kind of an interesting way to look at it is sort of this gooey biomass that turns into everything but it could be you know jeff bridges in starman Mm -hmm. is an alien um it could be as friendly as et could be as um as menacing as the Bizarre octopus things from Independence Day, but rarely is it really going to feel that original because they're, they're either – there's sort of archetypes. There's kind of good and I'll bring you a little wisdom and I'm stuck on earth and then there's evil. We want your blood, bodies, resources. Women. Women, um, whatever. And hmm. what film did they want mm-hmm. on women? Mars Needs Women. Mars Needs Women and I oh, Married a Monster from Outer Space. Ah, right, right, right. A right. uh, sequel, Stagman Needs Women, is still in <laughs> development hell. Um, Who's who's the screenwriter on that one? Well, believe it or not, it's a Michael Bay project, so it's already green-lighted up north of $300 (laughs) Well, Mitch and Jason have a a selection of six
1: of their own uh, favorite films total. We'd uh, enjoy hearing what your favorite alien films are on on video available. Uh, Our number here, 816-235-2888. That's 816-235-2888. You can also email us. Our address is up to date at kcur.org, and I should mention there's also a Facebook posting on the KCU our facebook page well mitch let's move on to our first film which is called which is actually doesn't have to do deal with Aliens from another world. It's called Border Incident. Yeah, I didn't get the memo. I didn't realize that was what kind of aliens we were talking about. <laughs> we discussed uh,
2: this. That's a lie. We discussed- No, it's true. I will use any any excuse I can I can find to talk about Anthony Mann's uh, crime pictures, and Border Incident um, is a little as a little tribute to the new Arizona laws. Um, is a film that was made in nineteen. 19- uh, Forty nine about uh, illegal aliens coming into America and um, and the trafficking in, uh, in in humans and it is really an extraordinary crime movie um, among other things uh, it features Ricardo Montalban in his first starring role and he carries the picture and he's an extraordinary actor um, and plays a Mexican uh, police officer who teams up with a, an American uh, uh, law enforcement officer played by George Murphy and um, Montalban goes undercover uh, pretends to be um, a, a Mexican, you know, peasant wanting to come across the border into America in the hopes of finding the network that allows for this sort of trafficking to happen. So, you know, here we are, you know, all these years later, still dealing with the mm-hmm. same with the same issues and the same problems. Um, the film is 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 extraordinary. I mean, it's a, certainly a liberal film, a humanist movie. Uh, but one of the things that's so wonderful about it is it's photographed by a guy named John Alton, who shot all of Anthony Mann's crime pictures, and it has this unbelievable film noir style, beautiful dark compositions. Uh, Uh, really lush, uh, gorgeous night scenes. And if you haven't seen Border Incident and you consider yourself any sort of film noir aficionado, you need to get this one on your list and take a look at it because it is absolutely visually ravishing and really, really interesting. Has Hollywood made many feature-length films about this subject? There aren't many. I mean, there's a picture called The Border that Tony Richardson directed with Jack Nicholson. Uh, There's a film called uh, Alamo Bay. Um, and and that's and then there's a movie called Borderline, and that's about it. You know, it's not it's not a topic. Uh, there's been a, recently, I guess, an HBO documentary. I can't mm-hmm. remember the title of I mean, it. lots of documentaries. Yeah, about a lot of documentaries. Sure. I mean, I suppose Harvest of Shame too. We can go back to the migrant workers and, and right. Yeah, uh, we have a clip. You want to set up the clip? Yeah, this? this is so. So uh, Montalban has managed to infiltrate this network and has come face-to-face with one of the main leaders who is suspicious of whether or not he's
1: legitimate or not. This is from Border Incident.
3: Who wants to be a bracero except a bracero? Maybe someone who doesn't want to be discovered for something else. What do you mean? Maybe I was disappointed in love. Maybe I would like to make some American dollars. Maybe I'm running from something. Maybe so. Maybe also you're trying to find out something too, eh? Like what, for instance? For instance, you may be one of the police. (laughs) What could one expect in a border town? The police and the snakes first cousins you've heard of ragopian in mexico city haven't you yes he's in a federal penitentiary exactly well i was managing his his business affairs when something came up no no i'm not a bracero but i have my reasons and the money
1: bracero's reasons money gone and Montalban. And the rich, soft Corinthian weather. <laughs> I like it. Uh, that is Border Incident. What year was that? Mitch? 1949. 1949,
0: film noir. Uh, Jason, your first pick is The Thing. This is The Thing, ellipsis from another world, um, which was remade by John Carpenter in 1982 as The Thing, um, which is rather more faithful to the source material, which is a novella called Who Goes There by uh, the great John W. Campbell. Um, the gist of this is there is a, an expedition in the Arctic that um, comes across a crashed, well, they call it an airplane, but it's a 20,000-ton airplane. They use thermite bombs to try and get it out. It blows up the ship, but an occupant is recovered. Um, they bring him back to the base, and through um, a mishap, it is thawed, and our, our first battle with um, an alien from another world begins. Um, it was directed by Christian Nyby. Maybe Um, most people think that Howard Hawks, the great Howard Hawks, who could do anything from Scarface to Rio Bravo to uh, bringing up baby, uh, pretty much handled directing himself. Um, It's 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 an interesting movie because it came out in 1951. Um, The Russians had exploded their bomb, I think, in 48. um, And the American public had a powerful fear of of uh, science at this point, a couple of years later. We would become rather more comfortable with it, and scientists in the military would work hand-in-glove, and things like radar and guided missiles would save us from the bad guys. But at this point, um, Hiroshima was still fresh in people's minds, um, and and there was some um, skepticism about meddling with, with what should not be meddled with. You, you should have left this thing in the ice. You should not have brought it back. You should not have dug it up. Um, in this one, the military, um, epitomized by um, Captain Patrick Henry, played by terrifically, by Kenneth Toby, this very, and, and this is what we want the military to be. It's it's very homogenized. It's 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 very you know everybody knows everybody else. Captains and and privates kind of josh around with each other, except when there's work to be done, and then they just go right at it. And it's extremely competent. And it's there are two very distinct camps that Hawks divides his movie into. You have the military who are trying to kill this thing, and so, the scientists epitomized by one in particular, a Nobel winner named Dr. Carrington, who is a bit um. Uh, a bit overconfident in his own ability and enamored with the alien life form. Um, and, and, and he's trying to save it and talk with it when it's already starting to kill people and, and drain their blood because it's a giant vegetable that grows with blood. Um, and and by he wears gi- a turtleneck and he looks like a beatnik, so you should be very suspicious Whoa. of him. That's right. He's he, suspicious of anybody wearing a turtleneck. One of those pretentious like coffee house types. That's right. Uh, fingering Tibetan worry beads and writing in a dream journal. Um <laughs> As epitomized by the six-foot, what, seven, James Arness, the thing is, in fact, sort of a spaceman with an alien-type head as opposed to what he was in the book. Um, But the movie is very suspenseful. It is very much um, about a team spirit, um, kind of a can-do. There there was sort of this can-do ideal that that Hawks put in a lot of his, his movies about good Americans with good values teaming up. To, to overcome something. And this movie has that. Uh, it's very distrustful of science, which is an attitude that would that would fall by the wayside very quickly. Um, scientists became, and I mean scientists with no real good title, guys who were just scientists. He's a scientist. Mm-hmm. They would soon become our biggest allies against mutations and aliens and, and everything else. But this movie, um, it's very suspenseful, beautifully shot. Um, you know, studio pictures, so so this, this Arctic base is obviously shot on a soundstage with a lot of sno- soap, soap flakes blowing around, but um, very atmospheric and very cool. We have a clip from The Thing. Yeah, this is uh, this is interesting. This is uh, Dr. Carrington and his men. Uh, the sled dogs at the base have torn off one of The Thing's arms. Uh, and Dr. Carrington and his team are analyzing it, much to the uh, disbelief of a newspaper man named Mr. Scott. This is from the 1951 film The Thing.
3: No, Mr. Scott, I doubt very much if it can die. As we understand dying. Can't, Yes. Well, doctor? No arterial structure indicated. No nerve endings visible. Porous, unconnected cellular growth. Just a minute. Imagine. Just a minute, doctor. It sounds like you're trying to describe a vegetable. I am. Are you getting all of this? Oh, for Pete's sake. Quiet, Mr. You know, doctor, that could be why the bullets fired by Sergeant Barnes had no seeming effect. That's right. Merely holes drilled into vegetable matter. Vegetable. This green fluid here, like plant sap. We'll probably find it has a sugar base. Please, Mr. Doctor, I've got to yes, ask this. Mr. Scott, it sounds like, well, just as though you're describing some form of super carrot. That's nearly right, Mr. Scott. This carrot, as you call it, has constructed an aircraft capable of flying some millions of miles through space. Propelled by a force as yet unknown to us. An intellectual carrot the mind boggles. Shouldn't.
0: <laughs> it's one of the best lines of all time. It's a smart an ito- carrot. An intellectual carrot, the mind boggles. The mind boggles. That's right. A smart diet, indeed. I want to go back to something you said a little bit earlier.
1: This, this thing is described as kind of a humanoid body with an alien head, mm. um, which makes me think of different depictions of aliens over the years in different films. I'm guessing in many years you saw kind of the big alien head and almost, you know, parodied in um, what's it called? Uh, Mars Attacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then in some other things like
0: Aliens. You've got these evil-looking dragon-type uh, Well, things. that was, the, I think, sort of the Star Trek motif of Alien Life done on the cheap. You know, it's, it's sort of Doctor Who. You, you get you, you make something really cool with papier-mâché, you poke a couple of discrete eye holes in it and stick it on somebody's shoulders because that's, that's what your budget will allow you to do. And, and maybe you try and make it interesting and, you know, put some nostrils on top of his head and throw in a few lines about how he breathes methane, but that's how you do it. When you get a little bit more money, then you can go for something rather more exotic, I think.
1: Mitch, any favorites of yours of, of depictions of aliens uh, over the years? Well, definitely the alien design, you know, in 1979, Alien is really great,
2: I think. And, and I thought that the aliens in District 9 were really, really cool. And the mutant in This Island yeah, Earth. You know, the mutant in This Island Earth, talk about a big head. Yeah, which sort of... With lobster
1: claws, it's a perfect kind of iconographic... Alien. And the scariest alien of all is the one that looks like us, and we'll get to that in a little while. You're listening to Up to Date on KCUR. I'm Steven Steigman. Steve Kraske is off today. He returns on Monday. We're talking with our DVD gurus, Mitch Bryan and Jason Heck, about their favorite films featuring aliens. If you have a favorite film featuring an alien or two or many more, you can call us and share that with us, 816-235-2888. That's 816-235-2888. You can also email us up to date at kcur.org. And on Facebook, Brian Dunn wrote us. Uh, he actually likes the actual E.T. and District 9. Uh, I'm more into good aliens than stupid monster aliens. Thank well, you. Well, <clears> take. <throat> take that Ridley Scott (laughs) well in in your face Mitch let's move on to your next selection called Phase 4 yeah
2: which is again another variation on, on on this alien theme because the aliens in this movie really aren't aliens they're ants and they're not giant ants they're they're like in them they're they're little teeny tiny ants um this film is directed by saul bass who was a noted title designer and of course probably famous for designing the shower scene in psycho mm. um and here he had this opportunity to, to direct a picture um that has a very simple conceit it was made in 1974 and and the conceit is that ants have stopped fighting each other and have begun to begun to behave differently. And so a pair of scientists go out to an isolated geodesic dome in the in the desert. They always seem to work out of geodesic <laughs> domes. and It's <begin, laughs> the best uh, kind of dome. Yeah, exactly. Shout out to <inaudible> Fuller. There you go. Um, and so the idea is to sort of figure out why these ants are not behaving ant-like anymore. And, of course, they begin to discover that it's because the ants have a higher purpose, which is to gang up on the rest of the world and ultimately sort of take over the world. And it's a film that is very much important Influenced by the language system of 2001 a space odyssey in terms of it being very visual a lot of silences a, a lot of emphasis placed on this unbelievable sort of macro photography of these ants which in a way is the perfect alien creature you get up close to an ant and you realize that it has nothing to do with human beings it looks different it moves different it behaves differently and so it's it's a really great Conceit. And so part of the pleasure of this movie uh, is this amazing kind of nature type of footage of these of these ants and and you know battling praying mantises which sort of stumble into into a
1: group of ants and they they summarily they tear it to pieces and, i mean, I mean who, who needs to watch films when you can just turn on public television and watch nature it's i know exactly ah, and yeah. now you just graft that with a science fiction plot and it begins to get pretty interesting <laughs> well i think uh, I, when i think of ants i think of starship starship troopers and just i'm mean, they're not ants the giant, they're, bugs, they're, yeah. giant bugs giant yeah. bugs Arachnus, and yeah. arachnids and and uh, that
0: they're 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 pretty menacing, but but believe it or not, there there's a, a terror um, in in realizing that there are millions and millions and millions of ants, and they are behaving with a true single-minded purpose and doing completely bizarre things that they shouldn't be. I think that 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 idea is actually really terrifying, almost almost as terrifying as a ten foot tall thing. Given stabbing. all the remakes, I'm surprised that this one. I haven't seen this
2: one on anybody's lists, but it seems like a one that would definitely, you know benefit from a remake because the movie is a little clunky in places and I know there were wars with the studios and there were budget issues um, but it has these moments I think that are really extraordinary and we decided to sort of not go for the obvious choices for this show and try to pick up some films that maybe people hadn't had a chance to look at that's a great idea well this
1: uh, why don't you set up the clip for us here
2: so uh, so the two scientists Michael Murphy and Nigel Davenport are are together in this space and uh, Michael Murphy has just begun to realize that these ants are going to be a bit of a problem and of course he defers to the older scientist um, with an English accent accent uh, as they always seem to have now the, the, sm- the smarter ones right? yeah the smarter ones to fill us in on on
1: what these ants are up to this is from phase four little sons of bitches <laughs> no 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 they're not
3: individuals they are individual cells tiny functioning parts of the whole think of the society james with perfect harmony perfect altruism and self-sacrifice Perfect division of labor, organized for preordained roles. Think of the building of elaborate and complex structures according to plans that they know nothing of and yet execute perfectly. Think of their ability to evolve and adapt in ways that are so beautiful and still so unknown and all contained in one simple form so defenseless
1: in the individual so powerful in the mass so powerful in the mass what a great line why does it like joe pesci ever play one of these
2: scientists so powerful
0: in the mass (laughs) yeah why do they always have to be these (laughs) well he he could play an ant Actually, small man.
1: (laughs) You're listening to Up to Date on KCUR. Our phone number, 816-235-2888. That's 816-235-2888. We're talking about aliens on film. Let's say hi to Alex from Kansas City, Missouri. Alex, welcome to the program. Thank you. Hi. Hi.
4: I wanted to mention a couple of uh, movies um, that I guess had just a lasting impact on me. Uh, The first one is the 1978 make an invasion of the body snatchers um I, I saw that when i was seven or eight years old and it scared the crap out of me i mean i just and even now um, revisiting it it's just um it's just it's, it's creepy you know the pacing
1: well Basically. be alex be prepared to have the, the crap scared out of you again because it's on our list today and we'll get to it in cool. oh yeah in <laughs> second. and you had another film
4: you wanted to mention Yes, the brother from another planet.
0: Ah, yeah, Joe Morton, very very cool movie. Tell us about yeah, the film.
4: Exactly. Um, well, you know, I, I wish I had more to say about it because I've actually, the reason I'm mentioning it is because I've only seen it once when it came out during the 80s. And it just kind of stunned me. I'd never really, you know, again, I was a, I was a teenager, but so it, it, it had never really occurred to me that the, you know, idea of, of aliens, could transfer to, you know, different levels of humanity. Um, You know, it was kind of an aha moment for me. Hmm. So,
1: Well, Alex, thank you for the call today. I appreciate it.
4: You're welcome. Thank you.
1: Let's say hi to uh, Tony in Overland Park. Uh, Tony, welcome to Up to Date. Thank you. Go ahead.
5: Well, uh, I uh, was talking about three films. Of course, uh, The Day the is still a classic, the original, of Mm. course. Uh, I remember that I used to have a lot lot of college friends who just, whenever it was on television, would go and just hunker around the TV and watch it. Uh, Another uh, character that's an alien that we are reminded in Kill Bill is Superman, and the uh, Richard Donner version from 88
0: or 78, is great. Mm -hmm. And then another one in kind of that same theme is The Iron Giant, which was an animated film which was really overlooked. Yeah, it was. Iron Giant, I think, is a really wonderful movie and probably Vin Diesel's most convincing performance, if I could say so. (laughs) Absolutely. (laughs) Well, tell us about uh, Tony, thank you for the call. Tell us a little bit about The Iron Giant. Um, You've got a 50-foot robot that is uh, found by a a young boy um, who I believe his mother runs a junkyard and uh, you've got a kind of a local beatnik artist you've uh, it, it's, it's a charming movie it's a boy and his robot and uh, eventually it turns out the robot is a war machine and has to make a conscious choice about what it wants to be and it's it's really wonderful movie well great suggestion that's the Iron Giant coming up in our second half we'll continue our
1: conversation with Mitch Bryan and Jason Heck about their favorite alien films on DVD I'm Steven Steigman and you're listening to Up to Date on on KCUR Back to Up To Date, I'm Stephen Steigman. Steve Prasky's in Jefferson City today. Mitch, Brian, why are we uh, why are we listening to this? Because that's from Repo Man. Ah, Man. there's the connection. Today we're talking with our DVD gurus, Mitch, Brian, and Jason Heck, about their favorite alien films on DVD. I think, uh, Jason, you're next up with Invasion of the Body Snatchers.
0: Yeah, this is the second film based on the book by Jack Finney, who wrote it in 1955. First was uh, directed by Don Siegel, uh, seen as an allegory for... For everything scary in the fifties, uh, in, in Red Scare era fifties, this one is um, this is uh, satirizes the Me Decade, it satirizes pop psychology, and it has a heaping dose of uh, post uh, Watergate cynicism and paranoia in it. And it is a fantastic movie. It, it is it is almost sacrilegious to say it, but I, I believe it exceeds the original in almost every way in terror, in in smarts, in the look of it. Um, what we have is uh, Donald Sutherland plays a, a health inspector in San Francisco. Um, and he starts hearing from friends, including um, his lab assistant, Elizabeth Driscoll, played by uh, Brooke Adams, that um, he starts hearing people say, my so-and-so spouse, um, sister, or brother, is not. they're not the same. They look the same, but they're not. Their emotions are gone. And we have a pop psychologist played by Leonard Nimoy, believe it or not, <laughs> Dr. David Kibner, who um, – very smoothly tries to explain away that this is no 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 this there there's nothing going on this is this is we're jumping in and out of relationships too fast and this is how we perceive one another and these are defense mechanisms well it turns out he's wrong that there are seed seeds that have come from outer space that have drifted along in the solar winds taken taken root on earth and have adapted and they're they're They are making duplicates of us, and when that happens, while we sleep, our other bodies turn into this sort of gray, ashy substance. You see throughout the movie these trash trucks driving along with sort of gray ash trailing out the Uh back. And um, and I will say the movie also has one of the top three twist endings of all time. It is a spectacular twist ending. Um, You Uh, have tell us what it is. I'm just kidding. (laughs) Rocky wins. Uh, you have a terrific cast, <laughs> headlined by Sutherland, but with a really good performances from Veronica Cartwright. Nimoy is actually pretty good um, because he's required to be an alien, um, which he has some experience with. I'd say he's very good. Yeah. He's, he, he, he's good at, at being this patronizing, very hip um, psychiatrist who has his pet theories. A lot of, you know, turns out a book every six months, one of those. Kind of a Dr. Phil type. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jeff Goldblum is actually really good um, in a in a role that requires him to be neurotic and um, a little bit uh, crazy and a little bit paranoid. And, and Jeff Goldblum, with that sort of that bug-eyed look that he has, pulls it off in spades. Um, you have some really fun cameos in the movie as well. The original director, uh, Don Siegel, from the original film shows up as a, as a cabbie who may or may not be taken over. And um, it's, it's, a, it's a movie that, that exceeds the original in, in, in every way, and I think it's a, just a terrific example of, um, of paranoid horror, um, much like John Carpenter's The Thing, kind of we don't know who the aliens are because they look just like us, which has been done very well by Ronald Moore in Battlestar Galactica, the new one where the Cylons look just like us. Um, it's, uh, it's a really good example of post-Watergate horror set up this clip for us uh what we have is we have nancy um and elizabeth um who are uh trying to convince jack played by jeff goldblum that that flower he's holding um is from another world and that he should stop sniffing it immediately from
1: invasion <laughs> of
0: the body snatchers
4: that flower where did you get that
1: in the uh face with the other just flowers.
4: stuck in there yeah why jeffrey gave me one of those last night so what There was a customer, Mr. Gianni, he brought one of those to the bats. So what? Put it down, Jack. It's a pod with a flower on it. I could not find that flower in any of the books I looked in. Jack, put it down.
3: It's a pink flower,
4: honey. It could be toxic. Look it. I have seen these flowers all over. They're growing like parasites on other plants. All of a sudden, where are they coming from? Outer space? They're not coming from outer space. Why not, Jack?
3: They're not coming from outer space, Nancy. Why? What are you talking about? A space flower?
4: why not a space flower why do we always expect metal ships
3: i've never expected metal ships
4: look there's bound to be other ways they can get into our systems that's right they could be getting into us through touch or through their fragrance we would never even notice it not from the impurities that we have i mean we eat junk and we breathe junk look i don't know where they're coming from but i know i feel as though i've been poisoned today you have got to take those flowers in and have them analyzed. This is the only thing we know. There's something here. Now, they could start getting into our systems and screwing up our genes like DNA, recombining us, changing us. Oh, of course, this is just the same way those rocket ships landed thousands of years ago so those spacemen could mate with monkeys and apes and create the human race.
0: Oh boy, the ever crazy Veronica Cartwright. But <laughs> but it's interesting because everything about the '70s sort of that paranoia about hey, we need to eat healthier. You know, we need this. You have sort of the the, the green movement in here. Pollution is bad, and and everything is kind of mentioned in this one clip. Chariots and, of the Gods, and, and, yeah, and Chariots of the Gods. Man, mm-hmm. they practically own South America. Yeah.
1: Well, that is Invasion of the Body Snatchers. You're listening to Up to Date on KCUR. We're talking about uh, aliens as depicted on the silver screen. Uh, our DVD gurus, Mitch Bryan and Jason Heck, are with us. Eight one six two three five two. Two eight 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 is our phone number. Richard from Lawrence, welcome to Up to Date. Hello. Hi.
3: Um, uh, my favorite movie is uh, uh, well, one of my favorites is uh, uh, The Day of the Earth Stood Still. Michael Rennie, where you know the aliens come along and they want to be friendly but don't mess up the neighborhood.
0: Hmm. That's right. Another another movie, extremely skeptical about man's relationship with the atom. Um, that's, that's a movie where the aliens land and say, you've got the bomb, you've got rockets. If you use them wrong, we're going to incinerate your whole world. Yeah. Very cool.
3: There was, there was also another movie about ants, uh, which I cannot remember the name of. It took place in South Africa, uh, mining, diamond mining co- corporation. And right. a fellow who, uh, well, go ahead. Yeah.
0: You might know it or not. All I can think of is, uh, them and Empire of the Ants. The that...
2: Chronicle, maybe. I'm not sure that's huh. the oil and green one. Huh. It makes
0: me think of that. Charlton heston movie with
2: the
1: mighty arm. jungle yeah naked jungle naked jungle do we mention any of the any of those names half familiar richard
3: that i, I can't remember the name at all i i i'm afraid not oh well. but today we're out in the desert uh huh. diamond mining
1: oh interesting that's a great yeah. way to mine diamonds with hands okay richard thank you for your call today you're welcome <laughs> bye dennis from gladstone welcome to up to date hello hi hi go hello, ahead please uh, I beg your pardon? Go ahead, please. What's what's your favorite alien uh, film?
4: A Sign with, with Mel Gibson.
1: Ah.
0: Uh, Mitch, Jason, what do you think about that one? Mitchie? Swing for the swing for the Fences. Swing for the Fences. Sw- for the fences. I, I, I like Signs. I thought it was incredibly atmospheric and creepy. I enjoyed a lot of the uh, dynamic in Gibson's uh, interplay with his kids. Uh, I thought the idea of aliens landing on a planet, uh, which is 70% water, which they're allergic to, was... Uh, well, there's some boneheaded aliens, but uh, <laughs> I, I thought uh, I, I thought right up right up till the the so-called twist ending of that movie. I thought it was uh, a pretty interesting and atmospheric little movie. The search for unintelligent life. Okay, <laughs> Brett sorry. from Lawrence, welcome to Up to
1: Date. Brett, are you there?
5: Hello. Yeah, sorry, I just was calling in with uh, a guilty pleasure of mine. I wouldn't call it a great film, but uh, the Adventures of Buckaroo Bonsai.
0: Across the Eighth Dimension. I love that movie. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, big fans of W. D. Richter's work right here. Yeah, it's a fine movie.
5: Yeah, just a great cast, and they all did really good jobs. Christopher Lloyd and John Lithgow, and I just, I really liked it. I hope it doesn't have any social commentary, but
0: uh, I <laughs> no, just matter, where really, are, really it. no yeah, matter where you are, there you are. No matter where you go, there you are. Yeah, yeah rock and roll yeah. brain surgery, man. It's awesome.
5: I love it, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank
1: you. And Brent from KC, Missouri, uh, you also had a uh, a comment about Buckaroo Banzai.
5: Yeah, I was just going to mention, you know, that's a different vein of a, you know, kind of a comedy, I I thought. And then the other movie I was going to mention was Bad Taste, the New Zealand movie. Mm -hmm. Peter Jackson. And I think they had a budget of maybe, you know, $20 to make this movie, but it is the campiest, funniest grotesque movie i've ever seen uh if you haven't seen it i mean there's a part where a guy falls off a cliff cracks his head open and uses bubble gum to fix it (laughs) and then why did i think of that and then the aliens you know there's a guy a guy has endless rounds in his revolver and he shoots straight and aliens and trees fall down because they're hit i mean it's just quite funny and then the another movie uh not so much an alien movie as uh, Ice Pirates, uh, the Space Herpes.
0: Isn't that Robert Urich? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, before Spencer For Hire decided to make him go straight. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
5: yeah that's that's I, I think one of the funnier movies. And then there's a movie I can't think of the title. Of, maybe you guys might know it. Uh, it was made in the early '80s. And this alien gets on a ship. It's a comedy as well, and you know it's kind of along the, line, the the lines of airplane, but the monster has a song and dance part where he's ripping a guy's arms off and eating them. And
1: uh, are you sure this wasn't a nightmare you
0: had,
5: Brent? I, I, no, no, it, it was. <laughs> it, it sounds
0: was real like I, it sounds like either the Betsy or the Lonely Lady. I the Betsy remember. with What's Lawrence Olivia. Betsy? Yeah, yeah, Olivia. Yeah, it's Olivia. Yeah, it's definitely. It. <laughs> Brent, Brent, thank you for your call today.
1: Thank you. Well, Mitch, let's move on to your next selection for Aliens on film, The Hidden.
2: Yeah, The Hidden is this amazing movie from 1987. If you haven't seen it, you got to run out and see it right now. Um, like so many movies in the 80s, it was a cross-genre movie. So on one hand, it's sort of a police procedural, a buddy movie. On the other hand, it's this amazing alien movie about an alien who comes to Earth and can travel from body to body. It needs a human host in order to live. And once it gets inside of this body, it really wants to do three things. It wants to kill a whole bunch of people. It wants to listen to punk rock music. And it wants to eat bad food. And it creates incredible mayhem in its wake. Uh, Thankfully... A, an FBI agent, a somewhat mysterious FBI agent, played by Kyle McLaughlin, shows up and helps uh, Detective uh, Michael Norey track down this creature that uh, moves from uh, from uh, uh, angina-stricken fat men to strippers to all sorts of different um, hosts. And it is a great chase movie. It's funny. It's it's uh, beautifully directed by Jack Shoulder, and it's one of those real gems from the 1980s. I think for for sort of science fiction sort of it's got it's half comedic but it's also just
1: really full of pleasure do you find that uh, i guess moviegoers uh, are a bit more comfortable with alien films when there's a comedy angle to them yeah i think that's part of it i think the other attraction to this movie is that the scene that we're going to hear in a few
2: minutes um comes 70 minutes into the film it's a movie that doesn't explain anything it gives you tells the story visually it shows you the alien up front and then says okay It's up to you guys. You're going to have to just follow this. We're not going to have moments where everybody stops and talks about what's going on. We're going to move this story ahead. I think if this movie were made today, despite the fact that audiences are totally familiar with alien movies, we'd have interminable scenes of exposition probably in between each step of the story. Mm. So it's one reason to just run out and find this movie and and remember what it was like when they made movies where the story, where the pictures told the story. Mm. Right? It's uh, set up the clip for us, if you don't mind. Yeah. So, classic, you know, confrontation scene between this mysterious FBI agent uh, and Michael Nouri. Um, the, the agent seems to be everywhere, just on the just on the on the on the tail of this of this uh, mayhem-inducing killer. And the cop
1: wants some answers. Darn it! This is from the hidden.
2: So, why don't
3: we just have a little talk? Why don't you tell me who you are and what you're doing here? Please don't ask me that. Hey, give
1: me that.
3: I have had it with you.
1: What do you think this is, some kind of a game? You think
3: you can waltz into this town, turn my department upside down, endanger the lives of my men? I am tired of you jerking me around. I want answers, I wanna know why. It takes 15 shots to take down
1: some zoned out stripper. I wanna know why three law-abiding citizens all of a sudden go crazy and start killing people. I want answers, and I want them now.
3: Miller, stripper, DeVries were the same, and it's not human. Excuse me. I've been after it for a long time. Now it's here, on Earth, in your city. Oh, boy. Are we talking spacemen here? The way it works is it finds a body, gets inside, uses it to move around. stays in that body until the body is so damaged it has to find another body. That's the only time I can kill it when it's between bodies. I missed my chance when it came out of the stripper. It found another body and chains before I got there. So now we don't know who the spaceman is? No. But I don't have to look for it anymore. It knows I'm here. It'll come after me. Beck, I need my weapon.
1: That's the only thing that can kill it. Tell us about this weapon, Mitch. You'll have to go watch the movie to see this happen. Oh. <laughs> pew, 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 pew. I don't have to go watch the movie. The movie will come searching for me. That's right. Now that it knows you're interested. <laughs> That's right. Uh, Jason, let's talk about The Mothman. Actually, before we talk about our next film, uh, let me uh, read a couple of email uh, emails we got here today. Paul emailed us this. The Arrival was released the same year as Independence Day, but mm.
0: is so much better. Much creepier, very much like The X-Files. Very smart, very cool movie with, uh, unbelievably enough, Charlie Sheen. Yeah, really, really cool conspiracy-type alien movie. Hmm. The
1: Arrival. And John from Lawrence emailed us his picks for best alien movies, They Live,
0: Buckaroo Bonsai, <laughs> and The Blob. Yeah, uh, man's uh, man, a man after my own heart. Kind of mm. trapped in the 80s, but good for you. Good picks. Maybe your name is John from uh, Lawrence. The but- Aliens Come. Let us hope Roddy Piper is ready. Let's uh, take a couple more phone calls here.
1: Wes from St. Joseph. Wes, welcome to the program. Wes, you there? Kirk from Kansas City. Welcome to Up to Date.
5: Hi, thanks for taking my call. Sure. Uh, first of all, I'd like to uh, affirm uh, one of your critics, and I'm sorry, which one of you said it, uh, Phase 4.
1: That I was Mitch's, I saw, that when
5: I, was a, I saw that when I was a kid, and uh, that is one of the most existentially creepy it's not terrifying, but it's really just a very provocative and odd film. And for uh, the truth is, I forgot the title until you, as soon as you mentioned it. Like, oh, yes, that's the one. So, love that film. Uh, highly recommend it. There's another couple that I had in mind. One was um, not a great film and for, for certain reasons, but very, very visually sort of uh, stunning. And that was uh, Cloverfield, which just sort of stunningly cool monster, I thought, um, which unfortunately you don't get to see enough of, I suppose. But... Uh, J.J. Abrams produced the film, so maybe that's his, you know, that's his modus operandi is to make you wait and wait and wait until you get the answers.
1: Kirk, thank Every, you, for, thank you for your call, uh, gentlemen. Any
0: any uh, reactions to any of those films mentioned?
1: Besides well, Phase Four, of course.
0: Cloverfield is. Um, I, I like the giant lice things that bite you and make you explode. That was entertaining.
2: I think. It's, I think it's for a cast of reprehensible characters that you're quite happy to watch them die
1: one by one, it's a good. It's a good pick. Let's move on to to your last selection, Jason, The Mothman Prophecies. An
0: extremely uneven film, a film that's marred a little bit by a script that meanders, but but I think is redeemed by being extraordinarily stylish. The director, Mark Pellington, has directed uh, only one other feature, uh, a very underrated and good one, I think, called Arlington Road, but his command of of camera um of pacing uh in in certain scenes of his is, I think it's pretty fantastic what we have is is based on allegedly true events that happened in the 60s in uh, Point Pleasant, West Virginia. I think God knows all sorts of weird things happen in West Virginia, but uh people start uh seeing what looks like a a, f- a giant dark moth with with red eyes and Richard Gear is a hotshot reporter with the uh, Washington Post. Um his wife sees it um and it makes her freak out and wreck their car, and she dies. So he kind of has this trauma and starts receiving otherworldly phone calls from this uh, entity calling itself Indrid Cold. And uh, he's trying to find answers. And he ends up in this West Virginia town, not sure quite how he got there, actually, uh, and starts hearing from the local cop, played by Laura Linney, and I think a really nice performance, um, that weird things have been happening in this town. Strange lights have been seen, and people have been seeing things they can't explain. The movie leaves the alien um, a fairly nebulous um, but fairly malevolent entity um, that is apparently all-knowing, apparently all-seeing, and uh, may or may not be a harbinger of disaster. Um, The movie, like I said, is is very stylish and succeeds admirably in creating uh, a sense of unease and disquiet and kind of a disjarring um, sense of... um, well, I, I guess I guess um, disorientation would, would be mm-hmm. what it does, and I think it does so very, very well. Set up the clip. This is a clip where Richard Gere, um, playing uh, John Klein, has uh, found himself a so-called expert, a man who's experienced these entities before, played uh, by, by a, a not-really-crazy Alan Bates, um, and he's trying to find out exactly what these things are. From the Mothman Prophecies. Last week, my
3: friend got a strange phone call from an entity spirit whatever seemed to know everything Like god and he made predictions yeah and they came true yes his name was indrid cole it's perception john they, they appear differently to everyone A voice a light a man a monster if your friend thinks he's talking to god he's off by more than a few degrees and how how do you explain it, it knows everything Hey, look at that. If there was a car crash ten blocks away, the window washer up there could probably see it. Now, that doesn't mean he's gone, or even smarter than we are. But from where he's sitting, he can see a little further down the road. I think we can assume that these entities are more advanced than us. Why don't they just come right out and tell us what's on their minds? You're more advanced than a cockroach. Have you ever tried explaining yourself to one (laughs) them?
1: Now I know how you guys feel about explaining things to me. (laughs) It's tough. It's tough. Patience is where I... That's... Oh, my Lord. Indeed. Jason Heck is a film critic, and Mitch Bryan is a screenwriter and professor of film at UMKC. Mitch, Jason, a pleasure to have you as always.
0: See you later. Love you, big guy.